The market doesn't joke around, so why would you? Get serious. Choose Tasty Trade. Tasty Trade gives you the tools you need to make smarter moves. Dig into data with advanced charting, track profit accurately with order chain trackers, see risk clearly with curve analysis, and trade with low-capped commissions, stocks, options, futures, and more. All on one platform. No wonder serious traders choose Tasty Trade. Join the club, genius. Tasty Trading is a registered broker-dealer and member of FINRA and SIPC. Homes.com knows that when it comes to home shopping, it's never just about the house or condo. It's about the home. And what makes a home is more than just the house or property. It's the location and neighborhood. If you have kids, it's also schools, nearby parks, and transportation options. That's why Homes.com goes above and beyond to bring home shoppers the in-depth information they need to find the right home. And when I say in-depth, I'm talking deep. Each listing features comprehensive information about the neighborhood, complete with a video guide. They also have details about local schools with test scores, state rankings, and student-to-teacher ratio. They even have an agent directory with the sales history of each agent. So when it comes to finding a home, not just a house, this is everything you need to know, all in one place. Homes.com. We've done your homework. My mission is simple, to make you money. I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Hey, I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to Kramerica. Other people want to make friends, just trying to make you some money. My job, not just to entertain, but to educate, teach, contacts. Call me, 1-800-743-CBC. Tweet me, at Jim Kramer. On the surface, it's a daily positive day. Dow gaining 154 points, S&P advancing 0.65%. NASDAQ climbing 1.11%. But underneath, it was insane. After a big dip at the opening, the market came roaring back into the black. This was a day when both the recession stocks and the recovery stocks worked. And long term, that's just not sustainable. Sooner or later, someone, one of these two groups, has to be wrong. But short term? As that legendary stock genius Cole Porter teaches us, anything goes. Let me break this one down for you. This market has two big themes, and they are completely contradictory. And there's also a third theme that's downright apocalyptic. First, there's the America Awakens trade. The people who buy into this thesis, uh, well, they believe the government made a terrible mistake locking down the economy. I am part of that group. And we won't make that mistake again. Now that the country's reopening, they expect people to go out and spend and return to work. Uh, As they see it, for all intents and purposes, the pandemic is behind us. The worst is over. We have a better understanding of how to treat COVID, and by the fall, it won't even be on our radar screen, despite some really downbeat infection numbers from Florida and Texas. These optimists, who include Larry Kudlow, the president's chief economic advisor, who was on Squawk Box this morning, are betting that we'll come back stronger than ever. The recession, it ended. Joblessness, rearview window. covid Fatalities have plateaued and are coming down. Plus, the Fed is every major company's back, so there's no need to sell a stock anymore. The buy list of these glass half characters today, well, first was Nike, and the company reports Thursday. Nike's are a totally discretionary item. It's high-priced, exactly the kind of thing you wouldn't buy if the economy is going to a serious downturn. If Nike blows up the quarter, this could be a rocket ship. We got not one but two big price target boosts from legit firms this morning. You don't see that kind of confidence unless the analysts have done their homework. Think of Nike as the classic happy days are here again stock. Second, there's Best Buy. Now, that's supposed to, the stock was up more than 4% today. This is a company that sells expensive, big-ticket discretionary items. Almost everything in this store you can live without. 
which is why its huge rally today suggests that a lot of investors believe the recovery is here to stay. Third, oh, like, yeah, I mean, you've got to be a bull to believe in this one, an economic bull, Gap Stores. Today, an analyst argued that Gap's worth much more than its current price, in part because of the real estate, in part because of Athleta, which is its knockoff Lululemon division. I think this is a thin read because the fundamentals are in decline. But if you believe we're headed for a robust recovery, Gap makes sense because this is a marginal retailer that might not make it otherwise. Fourth is Home Depot. Now, I'm talking about the stock, not the cover second. The stock has been a juggernaut. At this point, if you're buying it, after this huge run, you have to believe that things are just getting started, just getting better. And it's the beginning of a very big move. Now, fifth is really a sign today that we saw of people believing that the economy is turning around. This is Carrier. It's the heating, ventilation, and air conditioning HVAC spinoff from the old United Technologies. It is starting to roll. This is part of, this is a play on residential and non-residential construction. Boom. You don't go near a stock like Carrier if you think the economy is tanking. Six. Holy cow. This was moving today. Freeport McMoran, which is mainly a play on copper. Oh, this is one of the most cyclical companies on Earth. It went through the coppers used by China, by the way. You only buy Freeport when you think the economy's about to roar. It was up 2.8% today. Now, if you share Larry Cudlow, my old partner from Cudlow and Kramer, if you share his optimism, this one's for you. Finally, number seven, my travel trust knows this one, Disney. You think we got the pandemic contained? You think sports and movies are coming back? You think the parks can reopen? You can take, you think you're going to take cruises? Well, and they got a lot of businesses that are on the wrong side of the trade, then Disney's the one for you. All right, what if that is completely wrong? What if that is just the dumbest thing ever, and you just went into that, and you got your head crushed? Well, that's why I created the Kramer COVID-19, and I want to highlight the ones that really did well today. Uh, This is the COVID-induced recession theme. New cases are spiking across the Sun Belt. Unemployment's still sky high. Government's expanded jobless benefits run out in a little over a month. That's why this camp assumes things are about to get worse, really worse. If you believe the recession thesis, you'd buy some Campbell Soup and some Conagra, two companies you're probably familiar with if you watch the show. Ideal packaged food stocks that made a ton of sense if the pandemic's getting worse again. It's pantry. This is what you eat if parts of the country have to go back into lockdown. And by the way, a lot of people discovered that this stuff tastes good during the last three months. Second, well, you would buy some Clorox, which is practically tailor-made for this moment. Clorox has always been a great recession play, but it's also a terrific COVID play because, well, this stuff kills everything. Third, you'd buy e-commerce enablers. Now, I know I'm supposed to just do one at a time, but I couldn't resist here. Etsy, Shopify, right? Square. I mean, have you ever seen, have you seen these stocks? I mean, they're crazy. When brick-and-mortar stores are closed, this is what works. You know, you know what else works while we're at it? Apple, right? Uh, in part, this because Apple Pay is a safe way to pay, uh, pay for things uh, in a pandemic that's caused by people touching each other. And the service revenue stream is crushing it as people look for things to do at home. That's the big spike. Now, the stock gained 2.6% today, cruising to a new high. All sorts of new stuff coming out about it. You know my view. You own it. You don't trade it. Even after scalpers might want to after the very exciting developer's day, they got some new stuff for the watch. Siri played John Denver. I did that all weekend. It's ridiculous. Fourth, if you think the virus is making it terrible. Siri, turn off John Denver. I'm here. Yeah, it's great that you're here. Oh, my God. It's, I'm sorry. I don't even like that song. I'm sorry. No, I'm not. St- no, not your. St- oh, she's sorry. So she's playing John Denver's I'm sorry. Okay, there. Tim Cook, get on that, will you? All right. Fourth. If you think the virus is making a terrible comeback, there's no substitute for Zoom video. 
I mean, this stock goes up literally almost every single day of my life. I get up and I say, Siri, how much is Zoom going up to? She's sorry. Um, it, it is the perfect stock if you believe that we're never going back to normal. We're all going to Zoom. I don't care that you're sick of Zoom. It's got a great growth story. And by the way, when we get to 5G, you're going to want to Zoom it to death. Now, I have a bad pimple on my right side of my face because I wear a mask all the time, right? And I was incredibly conscious when I was Zooming this weekend that it was better to wear the mask than to have the pimple be seen. I mean, Zoom has changed behavior. Fifth, not many restaurants will be able to make it through this period of social distancing to say nothing of a second lockdown. But the restaurants that do survive, the ones that can make a lot of money from takeout and delivery, they'll rule the world. So what do you need? The one that's the survivor. You need Chipotle. Uh, this stock just took out the $1,000 level, like I told you, hot knife through uh, uh, Land Lakes. If you buy it at these, price, these levels after a 50-point gain today, you're betting that most of the competition gets wiped out. Well, it could happen. Six. You can buy the work-from-home stocks, which include the cybersecurity place, because all the remote work makes things easy for hackers. And that's Fortinet and Zscaler and Palo Alto, uh, CrowdStrike, among others. I don't care if you're sick of hearing them. They go up. That's the point. Seventh, Am- I mean, I'm sick of the Patriots, right? I mean, it's good that he, that he left. But, you know, they go up. Seventh is Amazon. I mean, am I going to not mention Amazon? Are you crazy? Honestly, this company will be the ju- just fine in either scenario. But if COVID's on the rise again, we know they'll move a lot more merchandise. And finally, eighth is Netflix. This stock's overvalued again if the world's going back to normal and we can go out or travel or do anything. But we can't, which is why it rallied another 3% today. Now, there's a third small camp that's even more pessimistic. They don't think anything's going to work. They see the Fed printing money, predict it will cause inflation, so they're buying gold. Physical gold, gold coins, the GLD, and most importantly, Barrick Gold, run by the bankable Mark Bristow, or Newmont Mining, which has a long-term track record of consistency, or Agnico Eagle, which has a record of inconsistency but some excellent properties. Really, though, you've got a clearly articulated bull thesis and a clearly articulated bear thesis. I don't know which of these camps is right, but I do know that they can't both be right. Yet all these stocks were winners today. My view, again, because I don't know. That's why I prefer a barbell, where I pick some recovery plays like Disney and a lot of COVID plays like the ones that you saw. Maybe that's why all these stocks can't rally at the same time, because, well, someone is got to be wrong. Bottom line, when we get a vaccine, the America Awakens crowd will be right. And I'm very confident we'll get a vaccine eventually. I don't believe the naysayers who say there's never been one. There's too much firepower being thrown at him, mental firepower. I just don't think it'll come soon enough to justify going all in to the Le Bon Temps camp. Let's take questions. Eric in Wisconsin. Eric. Hey, Jim. Long-time fan of the show. Glad you're here. Uh, as the country, as the country uh, continues to reopen in phases, I have noticed many small retailers along with consumers are using contactless methods of payment. MasterCard has great equity ratings and find it could provide long-term value, although Small retailers that have gone contactless are now accepting major credit cards right now and utilize platforms like Zelle, Cash App, and Venmo. Is MasterCard a buy right now, or should I consider Well, you know, look, my travel trust owns MasterCard. It was up nicely today, but it, clearly it has not been a Venmo, uh, it's, which means it's not been PayPal, and it's not been as good as Square. And I went with it because I'm more conservative, even though I've told you over and over, I sold the PayPal for my travel trust way too soon after just a huge gain. I just felt I was being greedy. All those that you mentioned were. I think that's really the takeaway. Driving the action. America awakes. All right. This market has two big themes, and they're contradictory. And that's why I prefer a barbell with more weight toward the Kramer COVID-19 index. 
on Mad Tonight. Day trading has replaced sports betting as America's pastime, but with a, more than 70% of Penn National's properties reopening, it's time to roll the dice on a new pursuit. And Spotify's podcast pushes help the stock. But is it still in tune with this market? I'm going to give you my take. And hackers see work from home employees as weak points into a company's network. How is a company like Checkpoint helping keep your data safe? I'm talking with the CEO. So stay with Kramer. Don't miss a second of Mad Money. Follow at Jim Kramer on Twitter. Have a question? Tweet Kramer. Hashtag Mad Tweets. Send Jim an email to madmoney at CNBC.com or give us a call at 1-800-743-CNBC. Miss something? Head to madmoney.cnbc.com. Fact. Running a business is not getting easier on your wallet. With higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. Also a fact. Smart businesses are reducing costs and headaches by graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessed from anywhere. You can cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. See how you'll profit with NetSuite, and then you can think of all the ways you could be spending the money you save. Company retreat in Malibu, anyone? By popular demand, NetSuite is offering a -a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to NetSuite.com to start saving. When you're hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging to connect with candidates faster. Plus, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than three and a half million businesses worldwide that use Indeed. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash madmoney. Just go to Indeed.com slash madmoney right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash madmoney. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's my first pandemic, so it's tough to have any fun during it. But we got to talk about the incredible resurgence of Penn National Gaming. It's the regional casino operator that bought a controlling stake in Barstool Sports five months ago, right before the pandemic hit. Now, the stock has been on a roll, but then Penn had to shut down its casinos and their Barstool-fueled sports betting business suddenly got a lot less attractive when all sports were canceled. That's why the stock lost about 90% of its value, 90% uh, late February to mid-March. Darn thing bottomed to $3.75. But, oh, man, oh, man, was that a fabulous buying opportunity, and I am glad we stayed with it the whole way. Penn National staged an extraordinary comeback, fueled in part by Barstool fans, Robin Hood traders, the Stoolies, everybody, and in part because big institutions love the fundraise that this company did, $700 million via new stock and debt. A couple weeks ago, Penn actually surged to a new all-time high of $40 and change. Since then, it's pulled back a bit, along with other recovery stocks, as COVID cases spike across the South and the West. Still, with sports on the verge of coming back, 
what what could we've got here and have the let's say the people who bought it at three beat sellers? Have you already missed the move? Let's take a closer look with an all star triumvirate. Behind the Penn National Gaming Story, President and CEO Jay Snowden, Barstool Sports founder Dave Portnoy, and Barstool CEO Erica Nardini. Mr. Snowden, Mr. Portnoy, Ms. Nardini, welcome back to Mad Money. Thanks for having us. All right, so Jay, I got to tell you, I didn't think when you reopened that everybody would come. That was wrong. As you reopen, it seems like there's more enthusiasm than ever, even though there's not a lot of good free food and you can't kind of carouse the way you did. Well, look, Jim, I think uh, like many of us, uh, we've been sitting at home for the last several months. And when you have an opportunity to go out and do something that's fun and it's safe and it's entertaining, people are taking advantage of the opportunity to do that. We announced on Friday that we now have over 70 percent of our properties reopened and we have a clear site for the remaining 10 properties to be open in the coming weeks. And uh, look, it's, it's a great feeling when you're able to get on the phone and call your team members back. We've brought over 11,000 team members back in the last month, which feels terrific for us. And we're, we're off to a great start. Um, we still have, you know, we, we still need to reopen the remaining of our slot machines. We're at about 50% of capacity for our slot machines and mm-hmm. our table game seats. Restaurants are limited, as you mentioned. But it's safe. It's fun. The music's playing. People are having a good time. And we've got a lot of solicited and unsolicited feedback from our team members and our guests that they really value how seriously we're taking their safety and the cleanliness of the facility. So we're off to a good start. We feel like we're, you know, we're feeling as good today as we felt in the last three, four months, obviously. And uh, every day is getting a little bit better. I am thrilled for you because my biggest fear was, again, that people would be afraid. They want to stay at home. If they're staying at home, they go to. They go to Barstool. Uh, I want them to go to Penn, that Barstool. I think it would be one of the most exciting things in the world. David, are you chopping at the bit to be able to go back and do sports? Or is this stock stuff fun enough that you don't mind the delay? I'm enjoying the stock stuff. Uh, You know, my firm, DDTG, we've made our mark, so I wasn't expecting that. So it's been fun. But I'm a sports guy. I'm a sports better. Uh, I want sports back. And when it comes back, that's going to be where my focus is. But for now, I am having fun with the stock game, as you well know. Yes. Well, Erica, is the the stock book is not as much fun to me as the sports book. And I know, you know, the uh, the excitement of sports. And I, kn- I think you also recognize the value of it. Are you surprised? And we're going to get there on this one, but surprised that DraftKings is worth 13 billion. But somehow Penn is worth $4 billion. Should it be reversed? It should be reversed. I think what you'll see is this fall and going into 2021 and 2022 and beyond is we're going to crush it. Like, there's no audience like Barstool's audience. There's no fan base like ours. There's no talent like Dave and Dan Katz and other personalities here. And look, we're going to drive a tremendous amount of value for Penn. Look at what's happened around their stock. Look at what's happening around our brands during the pandemic. Like we are just getting started. And I think you're going to see an incredible level of growth, not only for Barstool Sports, but also for the sports book. Uh, Eric, do you think that there will be a football season? Yes, in some shape I do. Some shape. Okay. Now, uh, 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 David, let me ask you. Uh, it's hard. I just asked Eric a good, decent question. DraftKings versus Penn National. Now, there is a fellow at Deutsche Bank, a good firm. He seems to disagree with all of us about the value of sports gambling and what it means. Um, what is he missing? 
Well, I think, you know, he's missing a lot of what we do for the same reason that DDG has been popular and the same reason that everyone's focused on what I'm doing or watching Dan Big Cat, another employee of ours, there's 160,000 people watching him play a fake video game at night. Um, he's missing what a stranglehold, I believe, Barcelona Sports has on the sports gambling public. So, uh, you know, listen, DraftKings I've worked with for 10 years. I was offered equity in DraftKings a decade ago. Right. So right. we helped build that company. Um, but I think you're friends with them, right? I mean, you have a good relationship with them. Yeah, you? we have very good. Yeah. Um, but I couldn't be more confident once our sports app launches that we will be a dominant player in the game because nobody speaks to the audience like we do. It's why DraftKings, why FanDuel all paid us millions of dollars to advertise Penn doesn't have to do that. They get the whole kit and caboodle, and we're going to drive every ounce of energy. What I'm doing now with stocks, what Dan does with video games, what we do with all 100 of our content employees, it's all going to funnel to Penn. I wanted more equity in Penn when we did this deal. I asked Jay because I am a risk taker. I'm a sports gambler by nature. Right. I can't be more confident in what we're building. Obviously, I'm biased, but – I put my money where my mouth is. I think Penn's going to be a very strong player. Well, Jay, I think, can you explain the economics of having the physical casino? And why I know people don't think it matters, because they figure everything's going to be online, but the physical casino is actually a tremendous asset in the world of sports gaming. Well, think about it this way, and, and Dave and Erica can certainly speak to this, but when we talked about bringing these two companies together, one of the things that Erica and Dave were most excited about, and Big Cat and others at Barstool is, they finally now have great destinations to activate their sports betting loyal audience. So we can do events at our sports books. They're all in the process of being rebranded to Barstool sports books. The adjacent sports bars are being rebranded to Barstool sports bars but to be able to activate the audience and put on a great time. So there's a lot of customers, regardless of demographic and age, that enjoy a brick-and-mortar experience. Some prefer a digital experience, and many prefer both. We're the only company out there that's going to be able to deliver on both. You are absolutely right. Across the country, as sports betting and iCasino is legalized in a number of jurisdictions, and we have some of the most quality regional casino brick-and-mortar destinations in the country. So we think those two things in and of themselves, when you combine pen and bar stool, is a real differentiator. All right, and Erica, let me leave you because I know we've, we've got to get rolling. But uh, we mentioned Big Cat a couple of times. Now, in my office, Dave, don't take this wrong. Big Cat is as popular as you. OK, people I took stop that and wrong. listen. That's insult- I, I took that. That hurt. <laughs> but oh, do, how do you get the word out that you're more than just a guy uh, at a company, Erica, because you and I both know this is an enterprise and you guys are an enterprise affiliated with another good enterprise. And I've always been surprised that how one bite doesn't get enough focus, that Big Cat doesn't get enough focus. It's time, right? Focus from who, Jim? Well, from Wall Street. I think, oh. Penn, Nash, I think Penn Nash should be higher. Of course. Look, I think we are the fastest growing brand and have the fastest growing collection of brands on the Internet. That's TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, you name it. We're the fastest growing on the fastest growing mediums on Earth. People don't have eyes for that. And I think the same thing has happened to Penn stock is people don't have eyes for it. Or, you know, like some analysts, they're looking in the wrong direction. And the good news is, Jim, we'll be able to prove it. So, like, once the apps launch and once the casinos are all up and we're doing events, the numbers 
will speak for themselves. I well, mean, that, I've delivered know, on everything I've promised for two decades. I'm pretty confident we'll deliver. You here. know, I had no disagreement, which is why I was thrilled to have you guys back on and why I stuck with you all the way down. And I think you're much undervalued versus some of the other people we've mentioned in, the, in, in this segment. That's that's Eric Nardini and Dave Portnoy from Barstool Sports and their uh, great partnership with Jay Snowden, CEO of Penn National Gaming. And I'm like, you know, again, the partnership is skin in the game, as Dave Portnoy would tell you. Got a lot of stock. And you know what? You know what? People who like stocks in general and talk about them, they're my friends too. They have money's back in. You seek the key, but first, you must learn the ways of precision, craft, and performance with Acura's all-electric ZDX. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system up to a 313-mile range and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is their most powerful SUV yet. Unlock the energy when you visit Acura.com to order yours today. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. Some of the best performers from the past few months, they seem to have come out of nowhere. Consider the case of Spotify, the world's largest music streaming service. Now, here's a stock that came public in April of 2018 and spent the next two years doing nothing. We started recommending this thing practically the moment it began trading. I thought it had a great long-term growth story, but it just couldn't get any traction. And when I mentioned it to anybody, people said, like, oh, Shopify? No, Spotify. I like Shopify, too. But then the pandemic hit. Great for Shopify, but think about this. Initially, Spotify didn't seem like a major beneficiary. Thanks to the lockdown, millions of people no longer needed to commute. So a lot of people assumed that there'd be less demand for an audio streaming service that sure does work great in a car. In response, the stock plunged from 150 uh, in February down to around 110 at its March lows. Now, it turns out those fears, those fears were, I would say, completely baseless. Because since then, Spotify has been a rocket ship with the stock surging more than 116% to $236 as of today. And that is an astounding move, the kind of move I want you to catch, especially when you remember that this thing had been dead money since 2018. So what the heck is driving this rally and why is it happening now? Why not last year or the year before? Simple. Spotify is finally getting credit for its rapidly growing podcast business, thanks to some very big deals that they've signed just in recent weeks. Thanks to those headlines, Wall Street's given this company another look, and the buyers like what they see. It's a completely different company. But there's nothing really new about Spotify's podcast business. They've been pushing it into the space for over a year. Until a couple months ago, nobody cared. Why didn't they care? Why couldn't Spotify break out before? Well, this thing spent most of last year bashing its head against the ceiling of resistance at $150. It just couldn't clear that hurdle, even though the fundamentals were strong. This is important. Spotify has a two-tier user base. The free users who have to sit through ads, uh-uh, not me, and the premium subscribers who pay up for an ad-free experience. Last year, the premium subscriber base grew by 
their, their monthly average users, which is the number of people care about, expanded to 271 million last year. That's a 31% year over year. That's what I liked. And that translated into 28% revenue growth. I like that, too. The one fly in the ointment, Spotify was still losing money, in part because they were investing so heavily in growing the business. Unfortunately, that lack of profitability threw a lot of people off. When Spotify came public in 2018, they'd established a dominant position in the music streaming business. It looked like they were ready to start cashing in. The bulls expected rising margins and positive earnings. But early this year, Spotify changed gears. You're not supposed to do that on Wall Street. They changed gears. You see, they saw the incredible growth in the podcasting space. They saw it ahead of everybody and told us that they planned to take over podcasting, too. While that was clearly the right call, it's not what that original shareholder base signed on for. They wanted a simple story, the pivot to profitability. Instead, Spotify told us they were going to spend a fortune on acquisitions, no pivot to profitability. Last February, they spent 136 million euros on Anchor FM, a software company that helps people create and distribute their own podcasts. Then they shelled out another 172 million euros for Gimlet Media, a big inter- independent podcast producer. In April of last year, they snapped up Cutler Media, a popular podcast studio, for 49 million euros. That's where Spotify laid the foundation for its recent run. They can help you make podcasts, they can distribute them better than anyone else, and they can make their own podcasts in-house. It was a brilliant vertical integration. But the old shareholder base, they wanted profitability. They didn't see it. They had no vision. And they sold the stock. Fast forward to this February. Right before the outbreak, the company reported fourth quarter earnings, and the headline numbers were disappointing. Slightly weaker than expected sales, much weaker than expected earnings. And if that's what you cared about, the full-year forecast looked pretty grim. Management talked about an operating loss. No one wants to hear that. Of $150 million. Uh, to 250 million euros for 2020. Wall Street was only looking for down, down 26 million euros. Now, that was a downside surprise. However, if you drill down, there were also a ton of positives. But you know how people don't do that. They're lazy. The company had very strong user growth and subscriber growth figures. They rolled out new metrics to show that podcasts improve user engagement and reduce churn. Put it all together, though. And they were telling us that 2020 would be another investment year where they'll spend a fortune on podcasts to pick up more subscribers. In fact, right alongside the quarter, they bought Bill Simmons' The Ringer for an undisclosed price. Later, found out it was nearly $200 million. The Ringer is a sports entertainment publisher with a huge podcast audience. In response, stocks got slammed because Spotify still had the wrong shareholder base. Then COVID rolled into town and the whole market crashed, including Spotify. You see that? The Bears believed that Spotify would struggle with so many people stuck at home. No commute, no demand for music, podcast streaming. But I disagreed, which is why we included Spotify in the Kramer COVID-19 index. With no live entertainment, no sports on TV, no ability to hang out in a bar, Spotify's got no trouble finding an audience. We know that because on April 29th, the company reported a blowout quarter right here. Better than expected sales, uh, better than expected earnings, premium subscribers and monthly average users going way up. While management's forecast for the second quarter was a little light, they lowered their full-year revenue guidance. They were clearly doing a great job of coping with the pandemic. CEO Daniel X spelled it out on the conference call. He said, quote, both new and reactivated uh, monthly average users grew substantially, even during lockdown periods in major markets. And we believe this is a testament to how engaging our platform and ecosystem are to our users. End quote. He came on Squawk on the Street, said some other things that were very similar, very positive. Uh, Yet they benefited from COVID because the lockdowns forced people to stop listening to radio and they've discovered Spotify while stuck at home. As for the podcast business, 
They've already got more than a million of them on the platform. A million. You heard me. And they're the number one audio service for podcasts in dozens of countries around the world. In the last couple of months, they've gotten even bigger. Now, on May 19th, Spotify stock really caught fire. See this. When the company signed a multi-year exclusivity deal with Joe Rogan, who has one of the most popular podcasts in the world, Spotify shelled out $100 million to license the Joe Rogan experience. And unlike all the other times they invest in podcasting, they were finally rewarded. On that news, the stock surged 17.5% over the course of the next two days. Then late last week, we learned about two more deals. Spotify signed Kim Kardashian for a criminal justice podcast. These true crime things are huge, people. I don't know if you listen to them, but they're huge, especially when it's about someone who was wrongfully convicted of murder. On top of that, they inked the multi-year partnership with Warner Brothers and DC Comics to produce and distribute an original slate of scripted podcast, sort of like the old school radio place. In response, boom, look at this. Stock burst through 200 for the first time, and it just keeps surging. New shareholder base right here. Honestly, all of this, you know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of when Netflix made that pivot to original content back in 2011. Remember, it took them years to, uh, to make House of Cards. It cost a fortune. Initially, the shareholder base hated it, but Netflix saw it as an opportunity that was too good to ignore. And the stock, well, I mean, it's up nearly 3,500% since the end of 2012. How's your S&P fund? The bottom line, I think Spotify is doing the same thing. And now that the market's finally bought into their podcasting strategy, which is a great one, what matters here is subscriber growth. As long as Spotify can keep hitting these numbers, I think it's got a lot more upside. That's it. If you got that huge gain because you listened to us and you wanted to take something off the table, no one ever got hurt taking a profit. But let the rest run. Let's go to Jack in Texas. Jack. Booyah, Kramer. Long-time listener, first-time caller. Shout-out to all the intelligent investors. I have a question about you for a mega-cap stock, Google. Okay. Antitrust lawsuits. And their ad revenue drops. What should I do for the long term? Okay, I don't really think that you you may see a change in in ad revenue for some of these divisions, particularly YouTube. So I don't want to get too negative about their ads. But I will tell you that the antitrust is is a distraction. Uh, They've had this already once before. I mean, hello, just bring out the usual suspects here. I am not concerned. My child trust owns it. It doesn't sell it. I feel terrific about it. Now, Spotify. I think it's got more upside. Don't be greedy, but wow, they have really gotten it together. Much more, actually, they never didn't have it together. The shareholder base did. Much more mad money ahead, including my exclusive with Checkpoint. As someone uh, being uh, begin thinking about heading back to the office, I'm asking Checkpoint so, uh, Software what cybersecurity's new normal will look like, and it's not great. Then, new highs with some old favorites. I'm counting down the stocks that have recently hit new highs and giving you my takeaways about why that happened. And all your calls rapid-fire tonight's edition of The Lightning Round. So stay with Kramer. Cybersecurity stocks have been some of the biggest winners in the COVID economy. With millions of people working from home now, companies need to spend fortunes to secure their networks against all sorts of new vulnerabilities. And the one problem with the cybersecurity cohort, they've run a lot. So what if you want a cybersecurity play that still has some room to play catch up 
even though it's a slower grower. How about Checkpoint Software? This is an Israeli cybersecurity play that's one of the more mature operators in the industry. Unlike its peers, Checkpoint stock is actually down 4% for the year. Uh, it, it is practically a value name, trading at less than 16 times next year's earnings. It's got $4 billion in cash. So could this be the safe way to invest in cybersecurity, or is there a reason why it hasn't caught fire? Let's check in with Gil Sweat. He's the founder and CEO of Checkpoint Software. Learn more about his company and his prospects. Mr. Sweat, welcome back to Mad Money. Welcome, Mad Money. Hi, welcome. Good afternoon, I guess. Okay, so Gil, this move to home, this work from home, it's been one of the greatest things that's ever happened to the cyber bandits, isn't it? I think it's been one of the biggest challenges that we all have. I mean, first, it's, I mean, it's a very, very big change in the way we work, but it's a huge change for cyber. And I think it exposes the attack surface in a way we've never seen before. And what we are now busy is uh, making our customers ready for what, what's behind that, what's behind working from home, and how do we get ready for the cyber pandemic that might, I hope it won't, but might attack us after the corona pandemic that we are facing right now. Now, I was looking at your site. There is a, an incredible graphic uh, that shows, uh, when I was watching, there was someone from the United States attacking for Korea. Then there's someone from uh, the from Korea attacking Poland. Then there are multiple attacks on Poland. Is that real? Is that live? Is that what's happening? That's what's happening in our world every second for for the, for the last few decades. Servers in many many countries attack computers in other countries, and we are in a constant battle that uh, that's, that's without end. We're seeing that we're seeing big increases right now uh, as part of the corona situation, and I think our challenge is to uh, prevent that, is to stop these attacks. Well, now you put out a uh, a kind of a very at least for a general audience a most wanted uh, malware. You put out a, a top ten basically of what are the ones that are uh, that are happening right now. How is that of value to your customers? Uh, I think first uh, we are. I mean, first our systems protect that automatically. I think it's more value even to our non-customers, so they know what they need to protect. But I think it's very very important to understand the trends. For example, for many times we see trends of uh, financial malware going up. In the last few months, we've seen malware that uh, surrounds around the corona, trying to uh, mislead people into getting uh, health information or into getting government stimulus packages. And when they do that, they're downloading by mistake malware that uh, might create an internal pandemic in their IT network. All right, now, Gil, there's no doubt about it. You are the dominant uh, player in, with a lot of banks, a lot of very smart hedge funds, but you do not have the, uh, the high double-digit growth that a lot of your competitors have, but you have more cash than that. Do you think that you've been too conservative? Should you be buying some of these companies that uh, can offer more uh, to your customers? Because I try to understand why the stock is lagged. I think one of the biggest challenges for any IT buyer today is the proliferation of too many solutions. Enterprises today, in many cases, use security products from 50 different vendors, and that's impossible. What we're trying to do is actually consolidate that architecture into one architecture. We call it infinity, in order to really provide the highest level of security. So our challenge is not to buy more technologies, but actually to get high up in the organization and convince the chief information security officers, the CIOs, and sometimes even the CEOs that, yes, they can fight 
the attacks, but yes, they can stop the, the cyber attacks and they don't have to sit there and see their networks being attacked every day. But what, are you, what do you want to do with the cash balance? Do you just think cash is king? Other guys may uh, spend too much and the, uh, there's a change and that's when you might be able to pounce? So first, cash is king, and we definitely see it's crisis times like we are today, that that provides a lot of stability to us, to our employees, to our customers, that they know that we'll be able to bypass any crisis and, uh, and become strong. And we've been in, this is like probably the third, if not the fourth crisis that uh, I faced as a CEO, and I think we've always came stronger for any uh, crisis like that. I think if we'll find the right opportunity, we'll, uh, we'll easily, we'll have no doubt, and acquire the right company. We're acquiring a lot of smaller technology company, and that helps. We're doing a lot of buyback with our cash. But having, uh, I think, the cash, we have around $4 billion in cash on our balance sheet, is, I think is a great thing, especially in these days. Uh, uh, do you advise uh, companies, whether you use a particular video operator, uh, uh, we, we know uh, Ring Central has an offer, uh, WebEx from Cisco, uh, Zoom. Do you say, do you favor one or are you just uh, ecumenical? Um, I think personally, I really like Zoom. I think it did uh, change our world and our life, and it's a great software. There are other good ones, um, and they provide different attributes, like teams from Microsoft and others. But my favorite is Zoom. I know that Zoom has been under a lot of attack uh, about its security and so on. I think it's a very solid software. They are very serious about security. And uh, I think if you look at the digital transformation in general, it really, really saved us in this crisis. I mean, let's, I cannot imagine going through this crisis when the entire world has faced a situation that we've never seen before without the internet, without the teleconferencing software, without all the amazing things that the internet provides us. When I started Checkpoint 27 years ago, and I felt that the internet will change the world, I cannot even imagine to which extent it will change our life. And I mean, my job is to secure it. So I think it's also an important part behind the internet. Excellent. Well, look, I want to thank you. Come on. You're pretty much the dean of the group. Uh, fantastic conservative cash uh, and starting to grow a little bit faster. I think that's great. Gil Schwed, CEO of Checkpoint Software Technologies. Great to see you, sir. Thank you very much. Great to see you. Thank you. Thank you. And you want to stick with Kramer. And, of course, you want to stick with CNBC. Let me give you a look at what my friend Scott Wapner has tonight. Tonight at 7 p.m. Is it return to school this fall in jeopardy already? Plus, contact tracing is a key to controlling the virus. But it's not an easy task. Find out why. And the booming business of PPE vending machines. All tonight at 7 p.m., with Scott Wapner. It is time! It's time for the lightning round. Let's go for another team. It's time for the and then the lightning round is over. Are you ready? Ski down for the lightning round. Let's go to Michael Matthews. Michael. Booyah, Big Jim. First time, Collie here. Okay. Unum Group, stock symbol UNM. Is this a good investment? Thank no, you, Jim. it's got some liabilities that I don't want. They should cut. Wow. Jeez. I met with them a long time ago. It was like they didn't do a two-for-one split. No, I want you to stay away from them, okay? There's some, there's some hidden risks there. Let's go to Jason in California. Jason. Booyah from the City of Angels, Jim. How are you? I'm doing fine. How are you? 
great. Thank you. The company I want to ask about is Cirrus Corp, symbol CERS. We had them on. I got a lot of queries about them after. I think it's a good company and a very smart CEO. I'm there for that one. Let's go to Christian in, Christian in New York. Christian. Booyah. I always wanted to do that. How you doing, Daniel? Booyah. That's I like to do it, too. Yes. <laughs> my question is, with the upcoming stock split in July, is Alibaba a buy? Well, what's I care about the split? What we care about, frankly, is that they are doing incredibly well. And you know what? Look, the Chinese, we have our disputes, but there are companies in China that are doing very well with American-style financials, and Alibaba is one of them. Let's go to Noah in Colorado. Noah. Hi, Jim. Uh, this is Yvonne, and Noah has a question for you. Thank you. Sure. Hey, Jim. Uh, I'm a first-time caller. I'm 17, and I just got started investing about a month ago. Okay. Um, I've been interested in some self-driving technology. What are your thoughts on Yandex, Y-N-D-X? You know, look, you're 17, and I'm not going to discourage anything that you want to do, okay? Because I need you to learn. So I'm going to say that's fine. I have other ideas. I have them in my travel trust. I told them on the show. But a 17-year-old who's interested and has done some homework on that is okay with me. Let's go to Joel in Florida. Joel! Oh, yeah, Jim. Oh, yeah, Joel. Uh, first time caller, big fan. I uh, just want to give a quick shout out to Jared Austin OS. Uh, I'm wondering what your thoughts are on Caterpillar. <laughs> Caterpillar needs a very fast, it needs an infrastructure bill and needs an acceleration of our economy. Um, it's very well run now. It's not going to be like the old days when it goes back to 60, 70. But I just wish there was more to hang your hat on. Let's go to Greg in Louisiana. Greg. Booyah, and happy Father's Day, Mr. Oh, thank you. It's same. It's a good one. What's going on? I'm a millennial investor, and what you're doing for my generation is much appreciated. Thank you. I'm trying to build a clean energy portfolio, and I'm up over 70% the last few months in Sunrun. My question is, do I let it ride, or do I rotate to an ETF? You know what? You know it better than I do. I have not done enough work on Sunrun, and one of the reasons why is because I say if you want a... Solar, you buy Tesla. And that, ladies and is the conclusion of the Lightning Round. The Lightning Round is sponsored by TD Ameritrade. Tomorrow, kick off the trading day with Squawk on the Street. Live from Post 9 at the NYSE. TikTok, by the way, is kind of cool. I mean, for... You I like think, it, right? I do like TikTok. Uh, uh, were you doing any dance moves? Or were in the you pool, yes. In the pool, yes. Okay, good. That's nice. nice. That's why I got the water in the watch. It all starts at 9 a.m. Eastern. Sometimes, sometimes it's as simple as looking at the new high list. This market's had an enormous run. There were 139 new highs on Friday alone among the universe of companies that are large enough for me to discuss on the show. That's incredible when you consider how badly we got hit during the March meltdown. Why don't we do this? Let's just drill down the 20 stocks from the S&P 500 that hit new uh, 52-week highs and see if we can make any sense of what's pushing them higher. Or are they all just creatures of momentum, uh, charges leveled often correctly? at stocks in this market. Number one, Regeneron. Easy. It's developing both the vaccine and the treatment for COVID that could work as a prophylactic or get you out of the hospital more quickly. Believer. Two, Activision Blizzard. Classic stay-at-home video game story with some great products. Three, Insight. Biotech takeover speculation with many shots on goal. 
for Adobe. They were on the show two weeks ago after a fantastic quarter. Quintessential driver of e-commerce, which is the hottest theme in the world right now. Five is Tractor Supply. If you've been to one, you know it is everything you need to turn a country house into a farmhouse or to grow the best garden. I get my apparel there, too. My big, big numbers here, thanks to the counter-urban trade. Six is whole logic we've had on the show. Medical technology company with a fantastic diagnostic division, but it's running because it has a competitive COVID test. Uh, seven is ServiceNow, won the show many times. Cloud software play, blowing the doors off of its opportunities as all sorts of businesses move to digitize their internal operations now. CEO Bill McDermott, late of SAP, has transformed this company from a niche to mass in an incredibly short period of time. He's not done. Industry and all of him right now, believer, eight, Clorox. When you have the products or an allocation because of sky-high demand, Try getting these, right? We, I have my, you know, it's like mad money, don't you touch mine. When you have a new business partnering with airlines or movie theater chains, you're a brand new service company. Clarks can go to Europe with its fabulous consumer products division. It's a huge COVID winner. Own it for the trust. Nine, Microsoft's reinventing itself as a cloud infrastructure play while maintaining its dominance over the enterprise. I don't know how to value this one, frankly, other than to say it's a blue chip. That's not enough. But do you think my charitable trust wants to sell it? No. Ken is NASDAQ. This used to be an exchange company. Now it's a data company. A financial tech play. Well, market loves fintech. 11 is Amerisource Bergen. Ha! Huh. Loan value stock on the list. 13 times earnings. Drug wholesaler seems cheap, but only by comparison. Maybe it's running on takeover speculation? I couldn't figure out what it's doing on what the high list. 12 is Apple. They had their developers conference today. The stock got a huge push from Cowan this morning, arguing it's a mistake to sell ahead of the 5G cycle. A lot of people bought this one ahead of the conference for a trade. They've been rewarded. I say own it. Don't flip it. Thirteen, we never talk about electronic design automation software firms, but that's what Cadence does. Someone clearly cares. Otherwise, it wouldn't be on the new high list. Cadence is a terrific company with 5G and cloud exposure. Fourteen, Synopsys, another electronic design automation play, just like Cadence. 15 is Danaher. This is about the best medical instrumentation company on earth, other than Thermo Fisher, incredibly well run. Wouldn't buy it up here. Came down, buy. Wow, 16 opportunity, T-Mobile. This one's all about the Sprint merger. I think the combined company will be a colossus. Still doesn't have a lot of sponsorship, though, which means it can keep going, and you might want to buy some of the 134 million shares that SoftBank announced it is selling this very evening. 17, Electronic Arts, another video game, stay-at-home trade. 18, KLA, 10-core, fantastic semiconductor equipment manufacturer, not unlike Lamb Research, both downgraded today. Limited number of companies in this business, big moat, don't sell. 19, Lowe's, CEO Marvin Ellison, been on the show many times, whipping his this uh, home improvement center into shape. Still a lot of ground to make up against Home Depot, but the wind is at his back. I love the home improvement trade here, and I love Lowe's. Finally, 20 is PayPal. I think it would take a thermonuclear warhead to stop this stock from going up, which is a best-of-breed modern-day payment story. Now, with the exception of Mercer's Bergen, none of these stocks is cheap. They're on the new high list, for heaven's sake. You don't get cheap. You're not cheap up there. However, they are emblematic of what's working right now. Would I chase them? Eh, you know what? I prefer a pullback. I pounce down 5 to 7% on any one of these stocks. And if that ha- never happens, we'll just say you missed it. We'll find the next. Stick with Kramer. Apple stock was up big today. The same reason why I spent two hours photographing a happy fat bumblebee on a plant. It's because it's amazing. And they do amazing things. And the cynical and skeptical got it wrong. It's great. I like to say there's always a bull market somewhere. I promise you, just for you, right here on Man Money. I'm Jim Cramer, and I'll see you tomorrow. This podcast is supported by FedEx. 
Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx. FedEx.